strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Tuesday. If you know a remarkable Valley teacher that deserves a $2,500 check, then text the word teacher to 411923 and nominate a teacher today for our Pay Tribute to a Teacher program. That's teacher to 411923. It's Pay Tribute to a Teacher presented by your Valley Toyota dealers. Um, I want to talk about immigration, and we've been kind of approaching this in different ways over the last couple of weeks. We now know here in Arizona that Dreamers are going to get in-state tuition. That that has passed by proposition. So that is going to happen as well. I think it's a band-aid on the issue. It's a bigger, much more complex issue that needs to be solved as more and more Americans sour on immigration because our system is a mess. But here is something interesting. You think about Arizona. You think about Texas, California. Uh, you think about states that have big border problems. Florida has been got, has gotten involved, even though they're not a border state. They've gotten involved in the issue. Well, how about this? The governor, Governor Baker of Massachusetts, is asking state lawmakers to help ease the burden of an influx of migrants as put on the state's shelter resources. The governor of Massachusetts says that in a statement is requesting $139 million in funding for emergency housing we uh there is there's this odd thing uh, and i a unique i shouldn't say odd unique thing i about americans we have a sense of pride in who we are we also look at the world and we we realize how blessed we are we are usually the first ones in and the last ones out when there is a crisis and i'm not talking just about our government i'm not talking about fema when a hurricane when hurricane ian devastated my hometown where i grew up in fort myers florida um i had my friends come on because i wanted you to get a taste that it's not just here and that's what one of the things i love about arizona is the benevolence but my best friend growing up his name is adam he came on this show to talk about how the community came together Adam and I were electricians together. We started in the trades together. He now owns an air conditioning company. He's an air, air conditioning contractor. And he installed at his home a generator for just, you know, when this happened. So he had power at his house. They didn't have internet, but they had power. They had air conditioning. They had lights. They had a refrigerator. He also got into his vehicle and drove around and helped people. He would run errands. He had a four-wheel drive truck, was able to navigate the streets even though they were severely damaged and there was debris everywhere. He was getting people, getting messages to people, doing things and that was a community effort it's one of the things that i think is uniquely american it's who we are in americanism and so when people come to this country even if we know it's wrong and there are many of us that are fighting illegal immigration and saying that it has to end myself included i hope i'm one of the louder voices in that we also see humanity we also see the faces of the people that come and we see it as an obligation to make sure that they don't fall through the cracks. Now, people say that that is incentivizing. I would say it's not. I would say that once someone is here, when they are in your town, when they are in your area, what we do is make sure they're fed. The bare necessities, the basics. And it is something that's uniquely American. And I love that about who we are. Um, I guess now is a good time for a little sidebar on something that has nothing to do with the topic of immigration. But, you know, this week, right now as we speak, the food banks and the charitable organizations around the valley are going to be stretched to the limit. St. Mary's Food Bank, St. Vincent de Paul, um, United Food Bank, all of these places and others. And I know there's a lot of great pantries and food banks. Uh, St. Mary's Food Bank had a goal of, I believe it was 10,000 turkeys. And um, they are going to serve that many people 
uh, this week, there are going to be that many families. An average, normally, it's 3,500 people a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Thanksgiving week. That's the need that was out there. It's going to increase this year. Um, they were just short. As a matter of fact, as we speak, um, the people of the Desert Horizon Precinct with Phoenix Police Department are delivering about 1,000 turkeys, uh, or just over 900 turkeys, to St. Mary's Food Bank to help with their goal. Your donations this past weekend on Super Saturday, but you can still do it. If you, wanted, if you want to give, now's the time. The intentional giving, St. Mary's Food Bank, stmarysfoodbank.org, stmarysfoodbank.org, 20 bucks buys a turkey. When I said that a week or so ago, how many people that disagree with me, we fight on Twitter, reached out and said, all right, I donated. I gave 100 bucks, and that's a lot of money to people right now. But it's kind of who we are. It is it, – it, we, we all want to help. Even if we are in need ourselves, we find someone that we can help. When you look out on the streets, if you've never been around homeless people um, – it is a community, and there are bad people in every community, but if you look at the homeless community, they help each other too, and, and there's nothing more amazing than seeing someone who is pushing everything they own in a shopping cart, giving someone that doesn't have a jacket or something a blanket out of their possessions, and everything they own is in that shopping cart. Um, when you go down to Cass downtown, and I've mentioned Circle the City and what they do serving the medical needs of people in the homeless community, uh, we have a growing homeless population. And it's sad to see, but there is it's not because the hearts of the people are not good. And within that community, even though they are homeless, they don't have a lot. They give to each other. And there's something in the human be- in human spirit. So here we are with this immigration issue in America, and it's being largely ignored by the administration. It's costing millions and millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars here nationally. And it isn't just a sheer expense, but it's things could be so much better. Why are we not striving to be the best that we can be? That, to me, is the biggest part of this. Why are we doing it the way we are? Why is mediocre okay? And I would say it's not even mediocre. It's worse than it's ever been. But why is what's happening acceptable? Why is it that when people are crossing our border illegally that we are calling everybody a migrant? We are lumping people together. We have got all this stuff going on. You know that the suicide rate among people in the, in CBP and border protection is at an all-time high because they are looking they are looking at a sea of humanity and they feel as if they are overwhelmed and they can't do their jobs. The pride in doing your job in any form of law enforcement is being able to protect innocent people. And when you're not a law enforcement agent anymore and you're watching what's happening to families and the crimes being committed against people and human trafficking, and there's no end in sight, no help coming from the leaders of our country, it is depressing. It is pushing people past the point of no return. We can do better. We should do better. And instead of, and it's going to take all of us. This is where, you know, I, I don't make any, I, I, I say it often, but I certainly don't have to. I don't hide who I am politically. I don't hide the political party that I support or the ideals I support. But there is so much that I talk about that is a human conversation. It's right versus wrong. It's not right versus left. And there's got to be a time where all of us say it doesn't matter who's in charge. If they're failing, they need to fix it. You And this is where we would differ. I have less faith than somebody on the left that President Biden can fix this problem because I don't trust him. 
I, I didn't vote for him. I don't think he's up to the job. I don't like his policies, and I don't think he's going to change anything. But if there's an acknowledgement on the other side of the aisle that what's happening is wrong, but they believe he can and will change it, then go help him. Make him change it. You voted for him. You'll vote for him again. He'll listen to you. It's right versus left. It's not right versus wrong, not right versus left. In a moment, a new Arizona law gives parents access to school library books, an opportunity for parents to know what's happening. Is that a good thing? We'll discuss it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Happy uh, Tuesday from the Mike Broomhead Show. House Bill 2439 passed in April of this year, allows parents to access their children's school library collection and a list of books and materials their children borrow. This law goes into effect January 1. It is odd to me that we had to make that law here in the state of Arizona. This is where one of the big changes, one of the reasons why I believe that Tom Horn, a Republican, won the superintendent of public instruction job is the changes that Arizona wants to see. This is, again, is not a partisan issue. This is a parental issue. It doesn't matter if you lean left or you lean right. In the end, parents instinctively understand that they have to be in charge. And it's so odd the battle that we are having over education in America. And um, uh, Eric Swalwell, the California Democrat, made a statement that I think is not going to live well, not gonna, it is not going to age well, about comparing medical decisions and doctors and telling doctors what to do and teachers and what they should be able to do. First of all, you're not a doctor. Uh, some of you are. I guess some of you are PhDs. You're not a physician. But more importantly, when it comes to your medical care and your children's medical care, you do dictate what happens with your child. No doctor is able to just circumvent a parent when it comes to the course of action that a doctor takes. Good parents listen to doctor's uh, recommendations, and they choose the best course of action for their child. And each child is different, but parental involvement is always there. And The only place that we don't demand it for some reason in the minds of a lot of people is in education when it comes to sexually explicit material. Again, I challenge anyone who believes that the schools are entitled to teach sex to younger and younger children and it's all in their best interest and their teachers and their experts and they know what they're talking about. You couldn't name another avenue of your life that you would tolerate it. If some of the books that are available as re- on the reading list for students or in the school libraries with sexually explicit descriptions and illustrations, if that was offered to your child by any other adult, you'd call the police. It wouldn't matter if it was a neighbor or a family member or a stranger. If an adult was going to have that kind of sexually explicit conversation with your child, you would call the police. And chances are that person would end up a registered sex offender. And I know it's an extreme case, but we've had it here in Arizona. We had an honor student in high school who, when a parent read the reading list, found out that one of the books that was on his daughter's reading list was sexually explicit and said, you know, her innocence has been taken from her. 
and, and so there is there is this thing, this power change in Arizona and across the country when parents see what's happening with online online learning. Now, again, we all understand this is is unique. The overwhelming majority of teachers just want to do their job. They don't want to get involved in politics. They don't want to get involved in any of this other stuff. If they're a history teacher, they want to teach history. If they're a math teacher, they want to teach math. But there are enough examples of the extremists that cross the line, that are willing to cross the line, that we have to stop them. And so when parents were seeing what was happening, they were going to school board meetings. And then when they got to school board meetings, they were getting stiff-armed. The school boards were telling them to be quiet, that they would handle it. They were called domestic terrorists by the National School Board Association. Domestic terrorists. The National School Board Association asked the FBI to investigate parents that were showing up at school board meetings and questioning how school boards operated. You want to know why there's been a transition um, in, in some of these, I should say, a transformation in the school boards around Arizona. It's because parents showed up at meetings, parents were mistreated or disrespected, and parents stood up and said, nope, not going to happen. And you've turned parents into activists, not the majority, not even close to the majority. You know, it was, and I don't know what the rest of the Scottsdale Unified School District, what their school board was like, but your board chair and his dad surely were extremist in their behavior, in doxing parents. And that was enough. That put the spotlight on the entire school board. What happened in Chandler, what's happened in some other places where school boards were standing up and pushing back on parents and telling them to mind their own business. Mind your own business. We will dictate what your child learns. And parents have stood up in unison and said, no, this is parents on the left and parents on the right. They have stood together and said, in the end, we are in charge of our child's education. We've hired you to do it. But that doesn't mean you're in charge and we have no say. And, you know, and this is uh, this has gone on for a long time. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Um, when my youngest was in high school, she went to a public high school in the West Valley. It's been years, so I don't care. They're probably not the same administration, but Cactus High School. She went to Cactus High School for a while. And um, we were taking a trip to Washington, D.C. Um, it was near Easter. And there was a an exhibit in Arlington National Cemetery called Faces of the Fallen, in which artists were given pit portraits or pictures of, of troops that had, been, had perished in battle in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they were drawing their own uh, or they were painting their own interpretation of those photographs. And my brother's portrait was there at Arlington. So we took the girls and we wanted them, we wanted this to be a learning experience. Cactus High School administration actually told my ex-wife and I that we had to give them a valid reason for them to excuse her absence. Now, I laughed. You know, I'm, I'm kind of that way. So we went to a meeting with the administrators at the school, and I said to them, I'm taking her out of school. She's making up her work with her teachers, and we're taking her. I'm not asking your permission. I'm telling you what we are doing. You do what you want with an excused or an unexcused absence. We got up, and we left. The meeting was just that short. And believe it or not, they excused the absence. And I didn't care if they did. 
if I think my child is going to get an education in ways you aren't providing by taking her on a trip or doing whatever, I'm going to do what I think is necessary for my child. And you telling me that I have to come to you and get your permission on what to do with my child is an absurdity that I will never tolerate. And that's not everybody. That's just some of them. And this is why the changes are happening. This is why the changes are happening. Parents are demanding that they get control back. In a moment, two Arizona counties are delaying the certification of election. Why is the question? You're going to hear it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we've got Red and Blue Day at the Zoo, Police and Fire Appreciation Day coming up at the Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium Safari Park in the West Valley. If you are a first responder, we want to invite you to join us, you and your family. The first 1,000 families that show up are going to get into the zoo for free that day. Just bring your identification, your badge, or whatever it is that shows that you're a first responder. You and three guests will get in for free. Head over to the contest page at KTAR.com for complete details. We had a great turnout last year, and it was so much fun. It happens on December 10th, but go to the contest page at KTAR.com for more of the details. I want to talk about this, what's happening, and I want you to hear something first. This is from the Mojave County Board of Supervisors explaining why they've decided to wait until the last minute to certify their election, acknowledging that there's nothing wrong with their election. There is no reason not to certify other than this. I have a question, Mr. Chair. Supervisor Johnson. Can you tell me what is going to change on the canvassing of this election? Or is this just a political statement we're making? We're not doing what the agenda calls for. It's both. It's it's a, it's a political statement. I'm not going to lie. We did it last year. We did it in 2020. It doesn't hinder us. It's not going to hold us liable. It's, again, a statement in solidarity with other counties who are doing this. So why are they doing this? Well, they're standing in solidarity. They're talking about what, what's unacceptable. I, I'm surprised there are this many counties, frankly, who are not certifying. I think last in 2020, we were the only ones saying, you know, this is unacceptable. What's going on is just unacceptable. And you better get your act together. And I hope we can put more teeth in that. And I hope the legislature takes it up. And I did speak to Clint Hickman, who's on the Maricopa Board of Supervisors over the weekend. And, you know, um, kind of shamed him enough and you know I was surprised that so little was done between 2020 and now well, I, I don't know anything about that conversation but I'm pretty sure that Clint Hickman's not worried about a board member in Mojave County shaming him her words this is where the problem lies um, you lost we lost I'm a Republican. I wanted to see Republicans win. I wanted to see Republican ideas moving forward. What our current governor has been able to accomplish in the eight years he's been governor with the Republican-led legislatures has been an enormous, enormous growth in business, productivity, wages, and quality of life in Arizona, in my estimation. They have done amazing things. And contrary to public sentiment, contrary to what you read and hear sometimes, the expenditure for education has gone through the roof. So much so, it violates a 1980 law that was passed or a proposition that was passed on how much money can be spent in education. So much so that there has to be a two-thirds majority in the legislature in order to override it so the money that's been allocated can be spent. 
That was done by a Republican governor and a Republican-led House and Senate in the state of Arizona and those legislatures in the last eight years. And I wanted to see it continue. But when you lose, you lose. I don't like it any more than anyone else does. These you are speaking to a smaller and smaller room of people. And you have to understand what the role is. I, I appreciate activism. I'll be honest with you. I know some people that are self-affirmed activists. And I respect them. I respect anybody that lays it on the line and honestly believes in a cause and stands up for what they believe in in spite of what anybody else says. That's why I'm respectful of activists. It's why I'm respectful of Black Lives Matter. I think that the BLM movement, the people that are honestly in the movement for what it's supposed to be, I don't agree with the premise. I don't agree with defunding the police. I don't agree with a lot of those things. But I respect anyone that stands up and says, I believe in this cause so much, I'm putting my reputation out there. I'm going to take the arrows from people that dislike or despise what I'm doing. I respect activism. But when you are a candidate for an office or you're the chairperson of a political party, you take on a role of speaking to and gathering in as many people as possible. You've got to send a message to as many people as you possibly can. And if you look at the landscape of the statewide races in Arizona. And it's so odd if you just look. Republicans gained a couple of seats in the House of Representatives here. Eli Crane won. Siskamani won. Flipping seats that were held by Democrats. One of them certainly was aided by redistricting. But Republicans had some success in some races. They've maintained their majority in the House and the Senate by the same majority they had before. They didn't gain seats, but they didn't lose them. And when you look at the two highest highest performing Republicans, the superintendent and the treasurer, who both have won their races, the only two Republicans right now that have won their races, they are the only two that weren't Trump endorsed. But it's not the Trump endorsement. It is the constantly going to rallies and constantly preaching to the choir and constantly screaming about the 2020 election and constantly talking about our election system is stolen. It's constantly speaking to that group of people and not the others. Not talking about the bigger picture of the Arizona economy and how we continue to stay ahead of the game when the rest of the country is sprinting toward recession that experts, financial and economic experts are saying that Arizona is much better positioned to withstand a recession than other places. Talking about the issues that are most important to people with the lead. No one's asking anyone to change your opinion about the 2020 election. No one. But when your number one issue is stolen election and election integrity and you're not shouting down people that are wearing tactical gear at ballot drop boxes, when you're doing that, you're alienating independent voters that you need. When you go out and you say to Republican voters, if you're a McCain Republican, get the hell out. Not my words. That was the candidate's words. They did. They did. They got out. They either stayed home or they didn't check that box. What's funny is the number one vote getter in Arizona in the statewide election, six statewide races, the person that got the most votes was a Republican. That was Kimberly Yee, the state treasurer. More votes than anyone else. Did you see Kimberly Yee at a Trump rally? Did you see Kimberly Yee screaming about a stolen election? 
And now we've got a legislator that's been elected. Her name is Liz Harris. And, and I know I know her casually. I don't know her very well. Um, but now she says she's refusing to do her job. She just got elected to an office. There is a one-seat majority of Republicans. I want you to think about what's going to happen. If you're, even if you're not a Republican, think like one for a moment. You realize that we now have a Democrat governor-elect. We're going to have a Democrat governor. And the policies that she is going to want passed have to be negotiated because she can't control the legislature, but she can veto a lot of things. So there's going to be a lot of negotiations that go on, which means the Republican Party is going to need every single vote that they have in their caucus in order to get anything done. They're going to have to stand together. And you've got a newly elected Republican that says, I'm not voting for any piece of legislation. I'm not going to do my job unless we get a revote. She's going to get recalled. They will recall her or she will abstain from voting and then there nothing will get done. That's the promise. That's where we are. And if you don't take a look at the bigger picture, I just I don't understand it. It's frustrating. I don't like to see the losses either. I like the direction that the state has been going for the past eight years with the leadership we've had. I'd like to see that continue. But 2024 is going to be here quickly. And if you want to see more losses in 24, keep doing what you're doing about 22 and what you did about 2020. And that's what's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind. Coming up in just a moment, uh, food banks getting squeezed in this economy. We're going to talk specifically about how tough it is for charitable organizations to make ends meet and how they're getting squeezed from both ends. It's all coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you being here. A great story from Cronkite News. Food bank gets lessons in economics, more demand, less supply, higher prices. And this is a national story, but um, uh, Arizona food banks head into the holiday season uh, having to buy more food at higher prices for more clients with fewer donations to help them pay for it. Um, I've talked quite a bit. This is going to be my pitch for the day because this is the last day for to affect what's going to happen for Thanksgiving dinner, I believe. But you can always do more as the season goes on. Um, my friends at St. Mary, Mary's Food Bank um, trying to raise awareness that the need for Thanksgiving dinner has risen like they've never seen it before. I was getting statistics from them that year over year there has been a, such an increase in daily need of people coming for emergency food boxes. And these are not food boxes with a meal in it. These are food boxes with multiple meals in it for families so that they can get through to the next pay period. Uh, some people get paid weekly. Some get paid biweekly. And when that happens, and this is a joke in my family, my brother's family, you know, two cops, they don't make a lot of money, three young kids. They had pay week and poor week. And so the kids knew not to ask for anything during poor week, waiting to get paid. Now, these are professionals with three kids trying to make ends meet. There are, and that's you know my family. There are many families that are finding that no matter how hard they work, they're not making ends meet. And so these food banks are a lifeline. 
With the need here at Thanksgiving, and, I, and I'm sure it's already happened. I'm thinking it happened about nine o'clock. Um, the cops at Desert Horizon Precinct of the Phoenix Police Department every year do a turkey drive for St. Mary's Food Bank, and they collect turkeys at the police station of the Desert Horizon Precinct. And today they delivered those turkeys, and it was about nine hundred of them. There was such a need this year. There's still, I think, they're around a thousand turkeys short. Twenty bucks buys a turkey. So we need to find a way to raise enough money to push them over the limit. And I've asked people and people have responded so well. I had a, a friend of mine drop a check off here for a hundred bucks. There are so many people on social media that have um, show, you know, posted on social media and, and, and tagged me in it saying, look, I did it. Thank you. Um, and so the community has come together and it's not just St. Mary's food bank. There are so many United food bank in the East Valley, um, St. Vincent de Paul. There are so many places that are focused on the need. Um, there was a story yesterday, and it was about Canada. It wasn't about the U.S., but it was about Canada that they are, are asking themselves, has the billions of dollars that we have spent on trying to stop homelessness made an impact? And the question is, they don't know. Um, Homelessness is a growing issue here in the state of Arizona. Our weather is so nice. Um, you know, in the summertime, homeless people kind of migrate north, uh, Prescott Valley, Flagstaff, where it's cooler. But at this time of year, they come out of the snow, they come down to the valley, they come from other parts of the country where it's more mild in the wintertime. But we also have a growing population of homeless people in our, in our state. And in a place that is as wealthy as we are, it is sad to see this happen. I don't believe it's going to be a federal program that fixes anything. Um, the organizations, the and I've talked about the medical needs and, and my my uh, admiration for Circle the City. We just were with St. Vincent de Paul at their dining hall at Cass, which is the big campus in downtown Phoenix where we served dinner. It was I think it was last Friday, the two Fridays ago, and um, there is something humbling. Um, we see the problem, we see pictures, we see video of homeless people, and we think, oh my gosh, that is a lot of people. Or driving down the road, we see homeless camps and parks, and um, it still remains a bit abstract. When you're standing in a dining hall, when you are preparing meals and you're getting ready and setting tables and putting water and things on tables, um, it is uh, um, it feels like you're doing some good. And then when the doors open to that dining hall and you see hundreds and hundreds of people walk in that are hungry and just looking for a hot meal, it is a humbling, daunting experience that I think everyone should have. Um, I don't know that there was a dry eye in the place seeing the need that we face in our community. Um, but it's going to take community efforts like that. It's people that join the Action Alliance, our Broomheads Action Alliance, that go and volunteer. It's, it's the people that work on a daily basis. It's the people that see the need every single day and are best equipped to do something about that need. Dollars are necessary, but government involvement, it's not that I'm, it's not a negative thing against government. It is saying they're not the solution in this issue. It's communities themselves knowing how to solve problems in their communities. And it's something we need to get a handle on. How do we get people help that want it? There are a lot of people that are on the streets by their own choice, by their own doing, and there are others that desperately want to get off the streets. How do we help those people transition and get them back to where they were before? Every one of these people have a story. And when you start hearing their stories, you're compelled to try to help fix what got them in that situation. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, um, 
we'll talk directly about our economy. How close are we to a rail strike? And if we do have a rail strike, how bad will it be for America? We'll talk about it in a moment. 